0: those are the bells are just across the street those are the bells that called the first residents of Frankemuth to worship they brought those bells with them from germany now, i don't know about you but i don't think that would be at the top of the list of items that i'm going to pack but i'm glad they did because it's a visual and sometimes audible reminder to us of the founding of our congregation and what it is that the lord has placed us here to do. Wilhelm Lee was the pastor in Germany who organized that expedition. And he wrote something about those bells. Here's what he said. On one is the picture of the holy martyr Laurentius, that's the Latin name for Lawrence, in memory of a dear St. Laurentius church in the homeland, and in memory of the first person who grasped the idea of a missionary colony and decided to help carry it out, Lawrence Lazel. And then he writes, under the picture, around the rim of the bell are the words, Concordia res parvi cresunt. And if you don't speak Latin, he uh, did us the favor of translating that for us, that with harmony, that's me, Tony, I forgot to turn it on. With harmony, small things become large. Turns out that was a pretty good prediction of what would happen here. And a very good description of our history. As uh, the people of St. Lawrence have lived that out. And have also lived out the, the words of our text from Philippians chapter 1. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's talking about harmony. With harmony, small things become large. Unity, that's the theme for our message today. And I did that intentionally. Next week we... We start a sermon series for our Reaching for Tomorrow campaign. And I wanted to have a bit of an introduction to that today that, that is prompted by that sermon series and, and by our, our building program, but is speaking about much, much more than that as we think about what it means to be united. Not everyone is in agreement about everything that a congregation does, right? Not everyone's in agreement about every detail of the building program that we're talking about. In fact, not everybody's in agreement that we should do it at all. I hope that doesn't surprise you. I hope that doesn't worry you. I hope that doesn't embarrass you, that we're not in perfect agreement on such things. That just means that that we're human. But what does it mean for us as a congregation when it comes to being united? Well, I'm sure you notice the the question mark and then the exclamation point which follow in the one word title to our message, united. The question mark is a reminder to us that, that unity is not always there. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it isn't. The exclamation point reminds us of how wonderful it is when we do have that unity. We recognize that as a great gift from God. And if you're looking at your sermon outline on page 4, we're on the second part of that outline, that unity is a gift to us. What an incredible blessing God has bestowed upon us. That we are united first with him through faith in Christ. And the exclamation point is on the screen because there are no words to express the wonder of this great miracle that God has brought us back to him. That the enormous chasm of sin that we put up between us and God has been bridged by the cross of Christ, and so by the grace of God, we are united in Christ. So what St. Paul talks about in our uh, epistle lesson today when he says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, that's a given. That's God's gift to us. But then he goes on to, to uh, talk about the fact that, that this gift of being united with God is one that St. Paul seeks for God's people to experience together and to give to one another. Because he says, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit. And, purpose. and in the gospel lesson, that's what Jesus prays for. That they may be one. The they there is talking about us. First, Jesus, in what's called his high priestly prayer, starts out talking about his immediate group of disciples right there, the 12. But then he says, also for those who will believe in you through them. And that's talking about us. In Jesus' prayer, that they may be one. May they be brought to complete Unity. It's a gift that Jesus wants for us and that we also want to give to one another so that it's a gift from us. But you know, like many gifts, like most gifts, this one comes at a cost to the giver. Requires something from us. So what that means is that really it's, it's oftentimes as much a goal as it is a gift. To be honest... Sometimes it's not even a goal. Sometimes we're so unhappy with someone that we don't feel any sense of unity with that person, nor do we particularly want to. That happens so easily in many different circumstances in our homes, at work or at school, even in a Christian congregation. And I actually think that we are doing extremely, extremely well in this regard. I, th- I think that, uh, that Latin saying on the, on the church bells was truly a great prediction. That with harmony, small things have become large indeed. But you know, harmony or, or unity doesn't, doesn't happen automatically. And it rarely happens without effort. In fact, it doesn't always happen at all. That's why we can say that in addition to being a gift, unity is also a goal. And it's it's a goal that we work towards, both for our own sake and also for the sake of others. How pleasant it is when brothers live together together in unity. We said that a couple times at the beginning of the service and how true that is. How how many of us enjoy tension and and having a disagreement with somebody? We don't enjoy that, do we? How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity and and so, so unity is a goal that we've set and that we work towards for ourselves. Also so that the work can go a little bit easier how much more easily does a project go when, when people are working together? When I was uh, a kid, this was a long time ago, so some of, the, some of the details might be a little bit fuzzy in my favor. But my brother and I, my older brother and I shared a bed as we were growing up. And, and part of our responsibility every morning was to make that bed. At first, Mom said, you guys make it together. It'll go so much quicker if you do it together. Well, it didn't. It was because my brother, you know how those brothers are. As I tell you, my memory's a little, little fuzzy on this, but I do remember that he didn't always help a lot. Pretty sure I did. Well, Mom got tired of our arguing and fighting. She said, "Okay, if that's the way you want to be, don't do it together. You'll just take turns, and you'll, you'll do it every other morning." Well, that sounded good until it was my turn to make the bed, and I walked back into my bedroom after breakfast, and my brother Tim had rolled the sheets and the blankets all up in a ball. If only I had known that psalm verse, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. When brothers work together, not opposing each other, but working with each other on behalf of a task that, that we, both needed to be, we both knew needed to be done. So yeah, we work towards that goal for our own sake, but I think we probably ought to say we work towards that goal of unity, especially for the sake of others for those who are outside the walls of our church who live in that world where we live six or six and a half days a year as well, so we're well familiar with the contentious nature of our world. How if I don't get exactly what I want, when I want it, and the way that I want it, then I want nothing to do with you. That's out there. What's in here? St. Paul tells us, He says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And he ties that to seeking unity, standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, this gospel message of a God who loves us so much that he was willing to sacrifice something that was very important to him, his son Jesus Christ, for something that was even more important to him. And that is our eternal salvation. That we would live together with him and with all believers in Christ forever. It is that gospel that we proclaim. And it is that gospel that we live out in our lives. As we conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. So what does that mean when it when it comes to the idea of being united. Well, let's first of all understand what we don't mean by that. Unity does not mean uniformity or unanimity. It it does not mean that we all do everything the same way. It does not mean that we all agree on everything. That's pretty much impossible, isn't it? Neither does it mean that there are no and this is one of the blanks in your outline that there are no dissenting Opinions. Unity does not mean there are no dissenting opinions. Now sometimes dissenting opinions bring tension. And I don't much enjoy that, and, and you don't either, I'm sure. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's pleasant. But you know what? Sometimes it's also good. When there are, in fact, almost always, it's good when there are dissenting opinions. Because that helps us to sharpen our thinking. And to come up with, uh, with an even better approach, an even better project or, or product than we would have if we all just went along and said, yep, yep, yep. Now, I can tell you that's certainly the case with our building project. As we've received a number of questions and suggestions and, and comments and criticisms... Our building committee has listened to all of those very carefully. And as a result of those, some of the planning has changed. And it has changed for the better. Being united does not mean that there are no dissenting opinions. But but here's what it does mean. As St. Paul reminds us, striving side by side. What a picture that is. Striving side by side. Shoulder to shoulder for the faith of the gospel. Being united means the minority in a, in a decision doesn't seek to undermine the will of the majority. Being united means the majority doesn't seek to trample on the will of the minority. Now it's obvious that if there's, if there's a, an issue to be discussed and there's more than one approach to it that... There's going to be at least two different sides on that. And I think it's obvious also, isn't it, that that both sides are not going to get exactly what they think should be the case. Being united means that we understand that. And we accept it. It also means that we respect one another. And we seek to find out what it is that we can all agree on. What we can all do... Together. And you know what that is, don't you? What we can all do together? We can all pray. We can all pray for the success of our building project. Even if we don't think we'll be able to support it in other ways, we can still pray for the success of that project. We can all pray for God's will to be known and to be done. We can all ask the same question. Actually, I've got a couple questions at the bottom of the uh, of the outline there on page four. One of them that that each and every one of us can pray is, Lord, what do you want to do through me? What do you want to do through me? Any of us, all of us, can ask that question, and we can ask the next one. Kind of builds on that it's a reminder to us underline the word our there, Lord what do you want to do through me in our congregation that's what's be that's what being united looks like that's what our scripture lessons said being like-minded one in spirit and purpose having singleness of heart and action Jesus prayer that they may be one brought to complete unity St. Paul striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, side by side. United? Yes. Yes, no no question about it. Yes. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.